Liszt's rapturous immersion in Italy's cultural past was rudely interrupted within days of his arrival in Venice in 1838. As he sat in a café on the Piazza San Marco, enjoying a cup of coffee in the warm Italian sun, he read something in a German newspaper which made his blood run cold. After an exceptionally severe winter, the melting river Danube had overflowed its banks. In the space of three days, the water level had risen to a record twenty-nine feet above normal. In the flood that followed, whole villages were swept away, crops were ruined, and the city of Pest, not yet united with Buda, was almost entirely destroyed. Many had drowned, and upwards of fifty thousand were suddenly homeless. Liszt, who'd spared hardly a thought for his native land in the fifteen-odd years since he'd left it, was transfused with a powerful and unfamiliar feeling. I was suddenly transported back to the past, and in my heart I found a treasury of memories from my childhood intact. A magnificent landscape appeared before my eyes. It was the Danube flowing over the reefs. It was the broad plain where tame herds freely grazed. It was my homeland. Unexpectedly, he found himself a patriot. Leaving Mary in Venice, and unlike him, she hated the place, Liszt headed straight away for Vienna. There, with a series of eight fundraising concerts, he brought in some 24,000 gulden, the largest single donation received by the Hungarians from any private source. Back in Italy, Marie was unimpressed. As so often during their periodic separation, she was consumed by jealous fantasies to the point of physical ill health. The relief of several thousand Hungarians cut no ice with her. Let the rest of Europe celebrate Liszt as a proud Hungarian and compassionate humanitarian, Marie was having none of it. As far as she was concerned, he had abandoned her with no higher motive than the quest for newspaper publicity and the conquest of princesses. Well, unsurprisingly, when Liszt returned to Italy two months or so later, he walked straight into a quarrel. Marie referred to him contemptuously as a Don Juan Parvenu, and the image has clung to his reputation ever since. A century and more after his death, though, the charge has yet to be supported with a single shred of evidence. Much of that summer was spent more or less quietly by the shores of Lake Lugano. With the coming of winter, the couple moved on to Florence. Their increasingly difficult life together can't have been helped by the fact that Marie was again pregnant with their third child in less than four years. In the spring, they exchanged Florence for Rome, where their son Daniel was born on the 9th of May. Liszt, a composer of genius, already acclaimed as the greatest pianist who ever lived, had spent most of the past five years as a semi-recluse, not out of natural inclination, but because it suited Marie's romantic notions and her possessive nature. As his twenty-eighth birthday hove into view, he was clearly beginning to feel the strain. There is thunder in the air. My nerves are irritable, horribly irritable. I need a prey. I feel the talons of the eagle tearing at me. Two opposing forces are fighting within me. One thrusts me towards the immensity of space, higher, ever higher, beyond all suns, up to the heavens. The other pulls me down towards the lowest, the darkest regions of calm, of death, of nothingness. 
And I stay, nailed to my chair, equally miserable in my strength and my weakness, not knowing what is to become of me. Fate soon decided that for him. In Pisa, on his way to the Italian coast, he came across a newspaper article which was to change his life. The Beethoven Memorial Committee in Bonn, he read, had announced the collapse, through lack of support, of their international scheme to raise funds for a Beethoven monument in Bonn, the great composer's birthplace. Liszt was enraged by this implicit insult to his greatest mentor, and, after a few preliminary investigations, he wrote a letter to the memorial committee. Gentlemen, as the subscription for Beethoven's monument is only getting on slowly, I venture to make a proposal to you, the acceptance of which would make me very happy. I offer myself...